Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out BlueWirePods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History title. Bang! Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods? Fickle butt. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. Welcome to the Full Slate Sunday Scaries Podcast, brought to you by BetOnline.ag. I'm your co-host, Cody Dark, joined out in Chicago by my brother, Tyler Dark. Tyler, we're working on two and a half weeks here of no sports. Yeah, it's terrible, and I made the foolish mistake of downloading 2K20 on Friday and started playing that, and 2K is just continuously the most frustrating video game, so adding that in my life on top of no sports and everything else going on, it's it's not a good recipe. What's the what's the status on you learning how to paint? I know there's some chatter post-NFL season about that. Yeah, I haven't gotten into it yet. Um, I've been finding different ways to work out, you know, uh, sheltered inside. So that's been my main focus. Uh, Bicycle curls is my new thing. So taking my bike in my room and doing uh, reps (laughs) on that, curling it. So I've seen some pretty good returns so far. Yeah, so far so good. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing with this quarantine. When we come out of it, it's probably going to be... Hopefully, late May, June, summertime. Got to be ready. Got to be ready. It is important. Um, yeah, I've I've done some curls. I ordered resistance bands. I was doing some soup can curls. Um, high high reps. You know, just trying to burn things out. Um, that's definitely the difference between New York and Chicago. I'm just looking around my apartment now. I don't think I'd have an area where I could curl a whole bike. Um, so congratulations to you and your square footage out there. Um, so that's nice. Besides just like rewatching old old YouTube clips of highlights and things like that, the the most pertinent sporting thing going on in our life right now that's just teasing us, like one of those toys that people like, the feather toy that people dangle out in front of cats and they like go crazy, is this 2020 NCAA simulation that's going on. I use In the Elite Eight. Uh, I was a freshman in 2010. That's This is the, the deepest run I use had uh, during my career as a fan. Same goes to you, obviously. Um, what why are they doing this to us? It's torture, and it's not like you look at the rest of the Elite Eight and it's all these crazy Cinderella's. I mean, it's all chalk, pretty much. You have Gonzaga, Dayton, Kansas. I think pretty much all the one seeds, maybe. <laughs> um, so the fact Indiana's in there, it's like, oh, that could be realistic. So it's toying with us. It hurts. Um, but our next game is Tuesday on night, Tuesday. So yeah. I'm I'm excited to follow it. If IU gets to the Final Four, I mean... I think they raise a banner next year in Bloomington. 
at what point at what point do we start like maybe taking a little pride in this simulation? Um, I think I think if they make the final four, we have to be like, wow, we could have we could have really done something this year. Um, like I think mm-hmm. I think Archie will take that. Like say next year, maybe things don't turn out well. That could be a talking point for him. And I started to think about this and rationalize it in my mind. Think about Archie's three-year tenure at Indiana. Indiana has always played so much better and looked better in non-conference play. And I'm like, well, that's what the NCAA tournament is. So I'm talking <laughs> myself into how this could have been realistic that they go on this run. They, uh, they've they always looked better versus non-conference teams. So maybe it's not out of the realm of possibilities. Yeah, Trace Jackson Davis just becoming a star in front of our eyes, potentially playing too well, finding himself into maybe a late first-round draft pick, something crazy like that. Those are the kind of narratives that potentially could have been happening at this point. Devontae Green being a great senior leader. Um, but, yeah, this is this is where we're at in late March right now. Two and a half weeks, no sports. These are the things we're grasping at. Um, but, Tyler, we did have a great guest on. We had Matt Barr join us. He's the co-host of the Fourth and Gold podcast, another uh, member of the Blue Wire podcast network. Um, he's, uh, he's a 49ers guy, so that was nice. Three Niners guys chopping it up. He's a really interesting background. Former Marine, got into the podcast game, so we talk a bit about the Niners, a bit about his background, and um, also just some general NFL free agency talk. So everyone enjoyed that interview with Matt, and definitely go check out his podcast. Okay, and Cody and I are excited to be joined by Matt Barr, fellow Blue Wire podcaster. He's the host of the 49ers Fourth and Gold podcast on the Blue Wire Network. He's also contributor contributor to 49ers Hub and 49ers Web Zone. How are you doing today, Matt? I'm doing great, fellas. How are we doing? Doing well. Excited to have another, you know, 49er fan and podcaster on the Blue Wire or on the Full Slate Network. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Yeah. And we're excited to have you. So, you know, we were talking a little bit before we got started, but if you could give your background on how you got into podcasting, um, you, were previous, or you were a Marine, so I think we'd be really excited to hear about your background and how you went from that to talking 49ers on the Blue Wire Network. Uh, yeah, uh, well, I grew up a 49ers fan. I picked him when I was a little kid. Um, I was born out in the area, but I lived on the East Coast. I just kind of picked him. Stuck with him all the way through. Uh, my old man told me, you know, if you're going to pick him, you're going to stick with him. Okay, so <laughs> here we go. 49ers ride or die, right? And uh, so I just kind of went through, um, did college, joined the Marines, spent five years in the Marines, uh, saw a little bit of the world. It was it was fun, um, but I, I always had a thing for football. Um, for instance, I was, in, I was in Japan for one of the football seasons, and I would have to get up at 2 in the morning there on Monday morning to catch the games. They were playing at 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 1 p.m. here on the on the on the East Coast, and uh, so that was that was a very interesting time to go through a whole football season of having to get up at two in the morning to go watch football. Um, uh, two in the morning on Monday it was it was it was pretty crazy. I didn't get a lot of sleep those days. Um, but then you know, as I was transitioning out of the Marines, um, I got back into Twitter and I got really excited about it, and um, I just lived in the mentions of some people that did some writing, specifically guys over at 49ers Hub, so guys like Scott Young and Evan Swords. And I just lived in their mentions until they followed me. And then from there I asked, you know, okay, can I start writing? So they had me on to start some writing, which was cool. Uh, kind of went through the first season was the uh, 2018 season. So that's the unfortunate one where, where Jimmy tore his ACL. And uh, so that was my mm-hmm. first season writing. So I, I like to joke that I really got a chance to hone my writing in a season when no one was reading our articles <laughs> because the four times <laughs> were just so bad. So it didn't matter how many mistakes I made. I was getting a chance to just kind of kind of work on my craft. Um, and then after the 2018 season, uh, Four Downs Web Zone picked me up, uh, so I had to do some writing for them as well. Uh, and then uh, right around that time, Four Downs Web Zone picked me up. Um, my co-host, Javi, uh, Javier Vega, uh, he's a he's another vet, so he was in the Navy. Um, he just like sent me a DM on Twitter, and he's like, "Hey man, do you want to do this podcast thing?" And I, I was a little nervous at first. I said, no, I hadn't done it before. I I asked my wife, you know, should I do it? And she said, "Yes, please, for the love of God, talk to anyone else about the Forty Niners except for me. <laughs> Leave me out of the conversation. Please find another outlet." So so I so you know we started doing it. Um, and it's been a fun ride. You know, the first year we just wrapped up our one-year anniversary a little over a month ago, 
Uh, it's been a lot of fun, man. We've talked to a lot of cool people. We had Ian Williams on, Adam Snyder, Adam Rank. Um, so, I, I, there's so many different people we've had on. It's just it got a lot bigger, a lot faster than we thought it would. And uh, it's a ton of fun to talk 49er stuff and just you know, do our thing, man. It's a lot of fun. So, so Bob, and now Matt, you can do guest spots and come on and talk with guys like you. So it's, it's just been a it's just been a wild couple wild couple of years. Awesome. Well, if you if you get sick of talking Niners with Javi at any point, you have uh, myself and Tyler, <laughs> two additional. It is interesting. Kevin like kind of uh, got the whole corner on 49ers podcast with Blue Wire. A lot of a lot of 49ers content, which is good uh, for Tyler and myself. But yeah, piggybacking on the fact that you're former Marine. Um, first off, obviously, thank you for your service. And second, now that the whole. Uh, country, for the most part, is in quarantine, working from home, uh, not being very mobile. Any any workout tips before we dive into football in terms of at-home stuff that you'd recommend? Yeah, so um, my wife got a Peloton, so that has been huge for us. Um, I love that thing. That's I'm not nice. very good at That's it, nice. but it's... It'll just it'll kick my butt every time I get on it. Um, just a lot of body exercises, right? So push-ups, crunches, wall sits, whatever you can do to just stay active. Um, jogging is generally good because people don't like to jog. So if you want to get out and run, there's probably going to be nobody out on the road with you. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's just just try and stay active and do the best you can because I know it's tough right now for everybody. Yes, yes, it certainly is. Uh, but let's let's talk about the, this Niners offseason because it's been pretty eventful. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the headline one, kind of twofold, right? They re-sign Eric Armstead to the five-year $85 million deal, and they trade uh, DeForest Buckner over to the Colts for their first-round pick, number 13 overall. Um, Matt, what were your thoughts on those two moves? Were you on board with basically keeping Armstead and and what are your thoughts on parting ways with Buckner after a great run? So, all right, I'll start with Armstead. Um, I was a big proponent of keeping the band together. Um, we're talking about it on fourth and gold. It's, we kept coming back to, well, they can tag Armstead and then they can decide what to do next year sort of thing. Um, and then tra- the tag deadline came and went, right? You know, it had to be noon on that Monday, and it just didn't happen. Okay, well, now it's long-term or bust. And then, you know, about an hour and a half later, they, they announced it. It was a long-term deal. Um, on on the surface, it sounds like a lot of money, you know, five years, $85 million. But as you guys know, and as anybody that pays attention to the 49ers knows, Parag Marate doesn't operate simply. So all, all these contracts are there's, – there's a lot of moving parts to all of them. And mm-hmm. Armstead's deal specifically is backloaded for when the salary cap is set to go way up. Um, I enjoy keeping Armstead around. Uh, I know a lot of people are saying he's a, a one-year wonder, a flash in the pan. But if you look at his 2018, it was very similar to DeForest Buckner's 2017, where he didn't have the numbers, but you're like, man, he was playing really well. And then in 20, uh, 2018 for Buckner, you know, he had the 12 sacks. And he kind of broke out and kind of became this top-tier player. Uh, Armstead saw a similar trajectory. It just took him a little bit longer to get there because they bounced him around from position to position. And, you know, they had him add weight on, drop weight down. We're going to put you on the weak side. We're going to put you on the strong side. We want you to play exclusively defensive end. Uh, Chris Kosarek finally came in and said, hey, we want you to do this. This is what you're going to do. And, And he played really well. So I'm happy they brought Armstead back. Buckner's tough. It's tough to see him go, just because how much of a fan favorite he was. Uh, when you look at his his time with the 49ers, he played through a lot of bad teams, and Armstead did as well. Um, but Buckner was like that the Chip Kelly year when they were just so bad. They were they were Rams in 14, right? They went two and 14. Their only two wins were against the Rams. Um, <laughs> it, it, they were just so bad, and, and Buckner played nearly every defensive snap, and he just. There's a lot of 99 jerseys in the crowd. So it's tough to see him go, but it's the absolutely right move by the 49ers. something they had to do. Uh, I got it from somebody on the inside that they were not going to come together on a price. They were, they were just far enough apart that neither one was willing to budge. He wasn't going to re-sign. So it was either a let Buckner play out this year on his fifth-year option and then lose him to free agency or make a move now, trade him, get a first-round pick in return, get a lot – you can get a lot back in return and then uh, be able to rebuild your team from there. And uh, I think John Lynch did the right, did the right thing, made the right move. It's just, ah, it's tough. It's tough. 
Yeah, I agree with you. When I first saw the news they traded Buckner, I was just like, what are they doing? But the more you read about it, the more you think about it, it makes sense. It's a long-term move um, because, you know, George Kittle, his contract Mm -hmm. extension is not going to be cheap. They were able to re-sign Jimmy Ward, which Mm -hmm. was a huge uh, component of it also. And this move kind of reminded me of something the Patriots would do when, you know, you look at it. Buckner compared to Armstead, you'd say Buckner's a better player, but the long-term view, the way they could build their team out, keeping Armstead makes more sense, and the value they could get for Buckner was greater. So all of that makes sense. And speaking of the Patriots, did you buy any of the rumors that the 49ers were interested in getting Brady and that uh, Jimmy G was going to be traded back to New England? Because Cody and I were getting pretty triggered by all those rumors, so we're trying to stay, <laughs> yeah. up, stay away from it. What, what were your yeah, thoughts on that? Matt, please, please tell us your inside sources squash that okay so i didn't have necessarily anyone on the inside for that one um but this was a little bit before we joined blue wire and i think i went on about a five minute rant and it's it's probably one of my best rants if you guys want to go back and listen to it it's one of my best rants uh that i've I've ever been on i thrashed the idea of tom brady coming out to san francisco and them just cutting jimmy garoppolo to make it happen and just all these different wild banana land ideas that people were just throwing out there. It's just, I I didn't think it was a thing. It wasn't a thing. It it was overblown. People wanted the 49ers to come out and say, you know, we're shooting down this rumor, but you can't just make something up and expect a team to address it. It sets a bad precedent for the team that they now have to address every single little rumor that comes out and, and people in the media jumping behind it. And just, it was media blown, media driven. And it just, God, it was, I was so happy to see him sign in Tampa Bay or literally anywhere else. He could have mm-hmm. signed with the Moon people for all I care. Just don't let him sign with the 49ers. Let's just move past Tom Brady. Jimmy Garoppolo is the quarterback of the 49ers. We we all know the trade would make absolutely less than zero sense. But I, <laughs> I, 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 under, I understand your point on uh, Shanahan not wanting to not having to basically set the precedent that anything that comes up, he has to squash it. But this one, especially the way the Super Bowl ended with Garoppolo, with a little bit of the story following the game, um, I kind of wanted Shanahan, as soon as these rumors started circulating... I wish he squashed it like a day or two after, to be honest. It went on a bit too long for my liking. Well, they they addressed it at the Combine, and both uh, Shanahan and John Lynch said, Jimmy is our quarterback. Um, And I think when they came out and said that, that's all they had to say. You don't have to come out and address any other quarterbacks that aren't on your team. And and that starts to mess with tampering rules, too. There's there's some illegalities that get into that if you have to start specifically denying rumors about a specific player. Um, that is technically not on your roster and it's not within the legal tampering period. So I understand why they didn't, but they did at the combine come out and say, both of them said, Jimmy is our quarterback. There's no questions about this. Like we're moving on. So I, 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 they did address it. It's just that got swept under the rug because the Tom Brady stuff came after they said that at the combine. And right. the guy, you mentioned you were happy that Brady signed with the Bucks. The guy who I was happy with who made a contract extension was Kirk Cousins because that is a constant rumor that Shanahan wants him over Jimmy G and the other quarterback. So I was glad to see Cousins re-upped with the Vikings because I cannot stand him. Were you surprised <laughs> that the 49ers didn't, it didn't seem like they made a huge effort to re-sign Sanders? I don't know if they were so far off on the numbers. Because um, I thought, you know, once they got him last year, that took their offense to another level, and a guy like Debo really thrived with having a veteran in the locker room. Kendrick Bourne, were you surprised that they didn't bring him back? And him going to the Saints just even doubly hurts. Yeah, I'll start with that part. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders going to the Saints is is <laughs> tough. That that's a tough one, just because Mike Thomas is now infinitely better. As if Mike Thomas wasn't already the best receiver in the league, now he has a legitimate number two on the other side of the field from him. It's a very scary thought. Um, I, I was a little bit surprised, but after the Buckner trade, um, I, I kind of saw what the 49ers were doing. Once they reloaded and they got that first-round pick back, and you know they had, all of a sudden you're sitting 13 and 31, and you have a lot of chess pieces you can move around in a very deep draft for wide receivers, I didn't so much think that Sanders was coming back. I think that's the point where I was like, okay, 13 is going to be spent on a wide receiver. So they're going to get one of the top guys. If not, they can they can drop back, recoup a bunch of picks, and then they'll pick two, three guys throughout the the next couple rounds to to fill Emmanuel Sanders' spot. And I, I, I like I said, I, I just didn't, I wasn't surprised. I wasn't surprised. It, it stinks that it had to be the Saints. I would have rather been, God, I don't know, 
Maybe Giants Minnesota. Yeah, the Giants. Yeah. <laughs> goes to go play for someone that doesn't really have a good quarterback. Um, go, Him go and Minshew could be pretty nice. Yeah, yeah, that'd be fine. <laughs> and they'd be in the AFC be with the PPR deal. option. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, I wasn't happy to see him go to the Saints. But Emmanuel Sanders, I wish him the best of luck. He's, he's a very classy guy. He actually went on uh, first take, and he talked to Stephen A. Smith and Max Kellerman, and he defended the hell out of Jimmy Garoppolo. So good on him nice. to go on there and, and still back up a guy who's not even on your team anymore. So good good luck, Emmanuel Sanders. Wish you the best of luck. Yeah, yeah. I think his impact was really felt. Funny, he went to the Saints because that game he mm-hmm. absolutely showed up and saved them mm-hmm. in the first half. That was yeah. getting away from them. And obviously how important that game was to an, an uh, impending Super Bowl run. Um, but you mentioned it a little bit. The 49ers have a lot of draft capital. They have two first-round picks now. Want to get your thoughts quickly on what you think they're going to do with them. You mentioned wide receiver. Uh, you, do you have someone in mind for a top target there? Um, and do you see them actually taking both of these picks or, or maybe flipping one for, for additional capital? So they have a little bit of capital and have a lot of capital. So they draft in the first round twice, and then they don't draft again until the fifth. So they've got three fifth-round picks, uh, I believe a sixth and two sevenths or something. It's, it's a lot of picks in the back end, but not much on day two. None on day two, actually. Um, I, I think early on they're going to look to get one of the top three receivers. So you're looking Jerry Judy, looking Henry Ruggs, or CeeDee Lamb. I'm not sure which one Shanahan prefers. I'm a Jerry Judy guy myself. Personal preference, I think all three are going to be studs. I think you don't really think you can go wrong with any of them. Um, they might also look at defensive tackle. They might want to try and rebuild for DeForest Buckner, so someone like uh, if Derek Brown falls or, or if Javon Kinlaw falls. Uh, that, that could be the move there. I don't think they pick at 31. I always think that was the plan, was to trade out of 31, try and recoup a second, maybe a third, second and a fourth, something like that to – Mm-hmm. To build some capital because they do have a little, they have some holes to fill. Um, interior offensive line needs some help. Corner needs some help. I think uh, safety depth is always there with with Tart and Ward, who are really good players, but you know their injury history is a little bit scary. So I think they're going to take the first one at thirteen, but I think they trade out of thirty-one. I feel like the 49ers have the same draft needs every year. I feel like every year we're discussing they need a receiver, they need another pass rusher, and someone else in the secondary. I feel like the last couple of years it's been the same. But you don't think I, – I saw they signed Travis Benjamin today. You don't think that covers up enough of the receiver holes? No, so there's a lot of people that, that, that dove into my mentions today when, when, when Travis Benjamin was signed because I, I said something on the lines of, this doesn't change anything. Wide receiver still glaring <laughs> me. People is, thought, is, oh my god. And people are like, well, he's going to replace Goodwin, or he's going to replace Richie James, or he's, he had six catches for 30 yards last year, y'all. Like, it, he might have had some good years. It's just, it, it, I don't know if he still has it in him. I'm not putting any stock in him right now. I think he's there to push other players. Because the wide receiver room is, it, it, it's okay, but it's not great. Uh, Debo is obviously a blue chip wide receiver. I, I'm a huge Kendrick Bourne guy. Justice for Kendrick Bourne. Give that man the love he deserves. <laughs> All he does is catch first downs and touchdowns. Big fan of Kendrick Bourne. Um, but after that, you're looking at Jalen Hurd and Trent Taylor. Injury guys, are they going to come back and be the same? Is Trent Taylor ever going to see the field again after those five foot surgeries uh, this last year? And then you're getting into guys like Dante Pettis. I I, I don't have any faith Ugh. in Dante Pettis. I think he's done with the 49ers personally. I, I whether it's trade or he's cut in camp. I I just think he's gone this year. Really? I think he's in, firmly in Shanahan's doghouse. And there's there's an S word that's being tossed around about him. So you know that's that's not good. You don't want to be called soft. And uh, yeah. that's one that's, that's one of the things that's being uh, attached to him. Richie James, former seventh round pick. He he has some flash plays, but he's just he is what he is at this point. So, yeah, Travis Benjamin coming in. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, maybe, it doesn't, maybe, it doesn't maybe, move the needle for me. No, maybe he helps a little bit on special teams. I feel yeah. like that's where he's added the most value over the course of his career. Um, but, yeah, it, it's it's going to be an interesting year. And then FC West, let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, Matt, are you, a, are you a sports better at all? I am occasionally, and I'm really bad at it. So, okay. Um, okay. You're, well, you're in the right place. Yeah. In the right place. <laughs> um, so, since we are a, uh, a sports betting pod, just pulling up the futures here from our friends over at Bet Online for the NFC West specifically, uh, the Niners are favorite 
to win the division, minus 110. Seattle's plus 350. The Rams are 4-1, to one, and the Cardinals are 5-1. to one. And specifically the Cardinals, I want to talk about, Matt, that mm-hmm. big trade. They pick up DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson and a bag of balls. Um, what, what do you think about that move, and which of these teams scare you the most next year as a Niners fan? Wait, was it a trade or was it a a, a highway robbery or was it a stagecoach robbery? I don't know what it was. It was All Arizona, and, Arizona, and Texas. So I'm gonna go stagecoach robbery. Um, All the above. It was it was so bad, so bad on the Texans part. I don't get it. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna touch on the Texans too much. I went on another rant about them last night. Um, <laughs> but no, Arizona. I, I think if they can shore up their offensive line, that's gonna be a really, really, really scary team. <laughs> that mm-hmm. offense is built to go and go fast. And you're talking about putting guys like Andy Isabella, Larry Fitzgerald, DeAndre Hopkins, and Christian Kirk all on the same offense. It's mind-blowing. Don't put those guys in order, by the way. I don't think Andy Isabella is better than DeAndre Hopkins. I'm just <laughs> ripping off my head right now. Um, that's a lot of firepower for Kyler Murray. And I thought Kyler Murray showed a lot of a lot of flashes last year of being able to be that guy and why he was the first overall pick. they got to get an offensive line, but if they can, that offense is going to be tough to stop the the Cardinals specifically were a tough team for the 49ers their two games both came down to the wire the first one Garoppolo made a lot of great plays and kind of kept them off you know their back at the end of the game and then the, the second one Jeff Wilson scores the go-ahead touchdown with 30 seconds left like I'm I'm worried about the Cardinals I think their offense is going to be explosive defensively they're still not great but Kyler Murray I mean you know, we talked about his MVP odds, Cody and I, on our last podcast. I think there is some legitimacy to that um, for him next year. We've seen the second-year quarterbacks take the jump, and he seems like he's got it all together as a young quarterback. For the 49ers, going back to them, what do you think is their biggest obstacle to winning the division next year, making a deep run, hopefully returning back to the Super Bowl? Like internally, maybe a position group that needs to be upgraded or another team in the NFC? It's doing it all again with a target on your back. So last year, they kind of flew under the radar. Yeah, they were in first place. Oh, they're 8-0. Okay, but they haven't really played anybody yet. And everybody's just kind of downplayed their their achievements the whole way through. And, you know, even in the NFC Championship game, oh, they won, but Jimmy Garoppolo went through eight passes. Like, who the hell cares, man? They put up 37 points. If you can throw zero times and put up 37 points, you're going to do that all day. But uh, now they have to do it with a target on their back, right? Because they come in as the NFC champions. They come in as they blew the Super Bowl. They come in as... Um, All right, they're the they're the king of the hill. I know it's tough to talk about. It's tough to talk about, guys. I finally got I finally got to a point in my life where I can I watch the game again. And no. I think a lot of catharsis. Oh wow, wow. a lot of catharsis. Oh, Javi watched it like ten times the following week, just like it's, every day. What the following week? Yeah, he's a psychopath, man. I, th- I think, think there's guy two different. Follow, you know, it's a good thing, but he's a psychopath. That's uh, good. Like, I think there's two different type of people. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I finally got around to watching it again, and and now I'm at a place where I can talk about it. Um, they, they 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 did blow the Super Bowl, so they come in like I said with a target on their back. They're the king of the hill. Everybody's going to want to knock them off, and you, you got a lot of young, hungry teams that are coming. The NFC is stacked. The NFC I think is significantly better than the AFC. The AFC I think is more top heavy, but I think the NFC has four or five, six teams that can really compete and be the number one team by the time you know the end of the season. Yeah, Matt, it's funny you mentioned that you just rewatched the 49er game. Um, I've been re- I've been keeping up with the 49ers probably like I had a week and a half kind of hiatus from looking at anything, and then I allowed myself to dip my toe back in the water. Now, Tyler, on the other hand, just bringing up the game. Tyler, are you okay? <laughs> no, and I was going to ask you, Matt, if you had rewatched the Super Bowl, you answered that. And it's funny, you mentioned earlier – Sanders was on first take, and today, obviously, we're all working from home uh, for mm-hmm. the most part. And I was eating lunch. I turned on first take just to see what they were talking about. And, of course, as I turned it on, Sanders is talking, and they show the highlight of the misthrust in the game, and I immediately turned it off. Our parents <laughs> texted us on Sunday, I think, saying the 49ers Saint game from this year was on NFL Network, which was obviously a great game, the George Kittle play. I can't even watch that. The whole season's been ruined for me. So Javi's on the complete opposite end of the spectrum where he's just, I guess, rewatching it to torture himself. I just have to stay away just so I could push it out of my mind. Forever. I think we maybe we maybe should set up Tyler and Javi for like a therapy session. Maybe Javi, <laughs> Javi can talk Tyler through what he's going through here. 
I don't understand yeah. how he could watch it every night. I mean, that just even the next morning scrolling through Twitter, seeing that Patrick Mahomes, the third and 15 play, I'm like, oh, my God. Oh. Yeah, I, 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 he did exposure therapy. So he really just went for it. Um, <laughs> and, and he just immersed himself in it. It's funny because he would text me the whole time, too. Like, person missed a block on third and four. Oh, like, my God. What, when? He's like, he's like third and four, 8.15 <laughs> left in the second quarter, scores this. And I'm like, all right, man. And he, like, like he watched the All-22. He watched everything from it. Um, and that's just that's just how Javi is. And it's yeah, he's 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 my guy. So I, I have to support him, and I have to read through his text, and I have to give him all the love I can while he does that. But I could not bring myself to watch the whole game and its no. entirety for, for a long time. His last week, I think, is when I finally got around to watching it. Oh, man. Um, I, Matt, I do want to ask you about, I saw on your Twitter account, um, your your pinned tweet. You have over 11,000 likes <laughs> on this tweet, and I wanted to talk about it. So Jameis Winston, after having LASIK, and he realizes that teams wear different uniforms, and it's the Michael Scott, like, astounded face. Great tweet. 11,000 likes. Um, pretty awesome. Uh I do want to, so Tyler and I are big Jameis guys. We've, I've, Tyler, I feel like we've kind of been ahead of the curve like th- three or four years ago being like, this guy is so absurd and ridiculous. Um, and it's looking like there's a chance we may not have Jameis as as a starter in the NFL. We spoke about it a little bit on our last pod, but Bet Online they have, they do have a prop bet on their Jameis Winston team in week one of the regular season. Right now the Dolphins are the favorite. Redskins are uh, plus 275, they're second. The Dolphins are even money. The Chargers and Pats are both 5-1. to one. Any any uh, gut take on where Jameis ends up next year? Man, I, I'm really excited for LASIK Jameis. Like, I'm really excited for this game. Like, I want to see how much of it was just bad decision-making and how much of it was he can't tell the difference between the safety and the wide receiver. Um, <laughs> I, like, especially, you know, you know, Tampa Bay wore the like the red uniforms and the white. You know, it's it's all basic colors that every team wears. Who knows? We'll see. I'm so excited for this. Um, my gut feeling tells me, oh, it tells me Chargers, just because they have some uh, somewhat similar weapons. You know, with Keenan Allen and, and Hunter Henry that he had in in Tampa Bay, and he can. God, I just want to see him play somewhere. I, I'm like really excited, and he's a guy like if the 49ers were in quarterback hell and they still had Brian Hoyer and C.J. Beathard, I would say like let's pull a trigger on this guy. Let's do this. Let's just let's just let's just see the absurdity and go along for the roller coaster ride. But um, I'm fully behind Jimmy, so don't don't worry about that. Um, Jimmy, all the way. I'm good there. Uh, good. I I I, if, I don't want to throw my money on the Redskins. They just traded for Kyle Allen. Um, the Dolphins, I think, are very committed to getting a rookie in there and letting them the rookie learn. Uh, I think Dolphins are going to surprise a lot of people. So if you're getting really good odds on the Dolphins making the playoffs, make that bet. Um, the I thought the Colts would have been a good fit too. Um so I'm gonna say Chargers and I'm gonna say my sleeper team is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, oh, wow. I saw this I saw the Steelers were also listed as a potential landing spot for Cam and you gotta think mm-hmm. Big Ben's been hurt a lot recently. He might be nearing retirement. They brought in Cam. I think that would be pretty crazy. Maybe he so sits weird. behind Big Ben for a year for a year and then he comes in. Who knows? But I saw a tweet about Jameis potentially going to the Packers, which would be incredible because if Rodgers, you know, you don't root for guys to get hurt, but just say Rodgers missed a couple games and Jameis comes in and the standard of quarterbacking the Packer fans have had for the last, like, 25 years between Favre and Rodgers, you bring in Jameis, I would be all for it. So I hope he ends up there. But it's sad he's not going to be starting every Sunday most likely. Right, I want to. I want him to go somewhere where he has a chance to start, because I think yeah. I think the NFL is more interesting with someone like Jameis in it, um, just because you don't know what's going to happen. It's very unpredictable. He might throw for five touchdowns, but he also might throw for five interceptions the same game. So yeah. I, I'm all for I'm all for Winston just landing somewhere and getting the starting spot. Um, but I'm really surprised the market's been so cold on him. I really am. Yeah. Um, so I we'll have to see what happens. You know what may have changed things? Yesterday he posted on his Instagram story like a full workout feed. I'm not sure. Do you follow him, Matt? I don't, but he's talking about where he pushed the truck. Yeah, he was push- yes. yeah. pushing the truck, and, and that car was moving. Um, so I don't know. Hopefully maybe some NFL GMs will change their mind, give this man a shot, and make make our Red Zone Sundays that much more entertaining here. 
Well, what a Jameis Winston thing to do. All right, I'm not getting signed. What can I do? And he's like, he's trying to think real hard. He's push, like, push, push, push. I'm going to go push this rock. I'm gonna yeah. Put this thing in neutral, and I'm going to push it. Let's I mean, go. I mean, what else can he do, right? He can't go to a gym. Right. So he, he might as well just, like, figure out what's the next most impressive thing he can do. How many you know, cars so have we seen? Uh, what are you going to say, Matt? I'm saying instead of asking me for workout tips, we should just ask Jameis, you know, what should you do? You can't go to the gym, Jameis. How do we stay in shape on the, on the quarantine? Oh Push trucks, God. man. Push trucks. That would be a bucket list interview for us. <laughs> yeah, how many, how many cars have you seen Patrick Mahomes pushing? I mean, let's let's think who, who's working harder this offseason. It's <laughs> a good point. Yeah, yeah, I, I none for Mahomes as far as I can tell. <laughs> okay, awesome, Matt. Thank you. Uh, thanks for coming on. This has been great. Where can our where can our listeners uh, follow you again on your podcast and then uh, on Twitter? Yeah, so at tw- on Twitter, it's at MattBar underscore two T's, two R's. I tried so unsuccessfully to get rid of the underscore. There's a Matt Bar actor that actually exists, and he has the name, and he hasn't tweeted in, like, three years. So every once in a while, I'll just, like, subtweet him and be like, hey, dude, let me get rid of this underscore. Hook me up. And to no avail. <laughs> to no avail. So at MattBar underscore. Um, fourth and Gold Podcast, like you said, part of the Blue Wire family of 49ers Podcast. We have a lot of fun. Make sure you make sure you find my boy Javi on there too. And uh, yeah, guys, thanks so much for having me on. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner sells hundreds of sports, events, and games to wager on, or let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack. All open 24 hours a day and all online, including their $750,000 poker series. If you're into props and entertainment betting, you could still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the weather. Visit their website and join today to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Be sure to use promo code BLUEWIRE. Bet online, your online wagering experts. And thanks again for Matt for joining the pod. A lot of fun to talk 49ers, NFL, maybe one day. I'll get on the level of Javier, his co-host on the pod of rewatching the Super Bowl. And I just thought of this. If you told me this coronavirus thing will end, we'll get sports back. If I had to sit through a full <laughs> rewatch of the Super Bowl, I think I have to do that for mankind. Um, but it would definitely hurt me. Thank, thank you for being so admirable and putting up with that. I think we all, we'd all appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Anything I could do. But now let's move on. Wrap up with our Tiger King recap. Um, this show is just absolutely absurd. Uh, so in case you haven't watched it, there's going to be a lot of spoilers. Uh, Seven-episode docuseries on Netflix. Uh, I don't even know how to describe this, Cody. So <laughs> you watched it before I did. Do you want to? And you said you had two pages of notes. I do. I have two pages of notes. Um, when we do the football pods, I take I take a lot of notes on on, on my legal pad. I think. I have a mental thing where I think I I do better throughout the NFL season with picks when I when I do my lock of the week via notepad versus just computer. But I I figured I'd go through this exercise. Last Sunday I started Tiger King in the morning and was slowly binging it throughout the day and just got like really hooked. And like you said, Tyler, I don't know that there's like a singular uh, way to describe this thing. Like some some documentaries are like maybe. Uh, true crime or um, or like maybe some kind of like white collar crime documentary or uh, maybe fire fast yeah there's there's a whole a whole spectrum and I think you kind of hit on this is uh, a true crime wrapped in uh, exotic animal breeding which I knew nothing about uh, wrapped in like drugs uh, weird weird cult there, there are some cult documentaries I've watched before. This is, this kind of touches on that as well. Um, but yeah, I finished it all last Sunday, and I texted you, Tyler. I said I gave you the task to finish it. We did Love Is Blind last week, which was great. Tiger King has kind of taken over the internet this week, and I tasked you with, with uh, catching up on it. Um, and and you did that, so thank you. I know all of our listeners are going to be grateful for what we have to come here. But yeah, Tyler, really, what I did here. I was like, I'm just going to do a brain dump of all my thoughts because there are so many different um, 
like characters and points that I just want to hit on. So I'm going to go, go off the top here, Tyler. So this is how I think we're, we should do this. Kind of like you know how in uh, during like the NBA draft or NFL draft, a player goes off the board and then Mel gets on and gives his like spiel and pitch of a player or McShay, whoever it is. I think we should... We should similarly do that with some of the main characters in the show. Um, so Joe Exotic, Tyler, I'll let I'll let you get started. He's he's the lead character in this one. What? Where do you want to go with this? Where do you want to go with Joe Exotic? We'll start with him. I don't even know. There's there's <laughs> just so much. There's just so much to say about him. He's like a real life version of Joe Dirt, the uh, David Spade movie. He's just like my whole takeaway from this show is like. It was just surreal to watch this show and like these people like exist in the, in this country and like are real and like in their own world they're famous and have these cult followings. It was it was just all insane and I was so, so on edge watching this show every second because I'm just waiting because they're in these cages with like huge tigers <laughs> and lions. I'm just waiting for them to get mauled and, like, attacked, and they're, like, playing around with it like it's a dog or a domesticated cat. Um, it's it's just insane. Like, I don't even – it was all wild, and Joe Exotic is a character. He's currently in jail right now for uh, yep. 22 years, and that was a little confusing because they said he was being – he said himself he was being faced with 79 years in prison. He was char- – all his charges – he was guilty of, and he only got 22, so I don't know how that worked out. Was it but, 79 um, years or 79 counts, I thought, of, like, different no, said, animal crimes? He, he said 79 years, um, so 22, so maybe he'll be alive and he'll get out. But it, it was just all insane, and he already tweeted she's uh, starting GoFundMe to get him out. That's, that is sweet. Um, Joe, he, like, really was... Uh, really a, a really terrible person um but i don't know if you also had the same reaction but by the end i found myself kind of rooting for joe exotic some of his highlights uh throughout uh he got he, he had two husbands they got they got married together so there's a bit of a polygamous thing going on there um one of his husbands travis uh tragically this this documentary had so many twists and turns he he killed himself which was really sad he was a young guy and kind of just like well and i think cody one thing we have to point out most documentaries like Firefest, for example a lot of it is just people talking in the present tense about what happened he joe exotic's whole thing was everything recorded yeah Yeah. the documentary is basically showing footage from the last years of in live time so when his one of his husbands travis killed himself by accident there's like there was live footage what happened and Mm -hmm. the overarching thing of this whole thing is joe exotic against carol baskin carol baskin is saying that he takes advantage of these animals you know the animal cruelty that's what joe exotic's doing and the whole time carol baskin is doing the same thing he's doing yeah so real quick so one of the things I just need to, need to talk about here with Joe Exotic, so his one of his husband kills himself on accident. They get the reaction of one of the workers in the office as it happens. And then the next thing is Joe Exotic, who's like, he's trying to make it one as, as this all-time zookeeper. He's trying to be a reality TV star, but he's also trying to be a country musician. He's putting on a full-on country concert at his... Uh, his late husband's funeral, which is bizarre in its own way. You mentioned Carol Baskin. This this really is like uh, UNC Duke level rivalry rivalry here. These two absolutely hate each other. They're going at each other the entire time, making YouTube videos. Joe Exotic makes the wise idea of I forget exact the name of Carol Baskin's. Uh, zoo in florida he essentially just adds on entertainment to the name of his production company so anytime someone googles it he's right there with her just an all-time villain move but my favorite part tyler carol baskin one episode they go in depth to her first husband who second husband her oh right right her second husband um no was it because wait you're right she was married once and then yeah, she was married. 
very young, then met Dom Lewis, her second husband. So this, the second episode, they go all into how she essentially killed him. Yeah, how how she more or less that's that's what happened. What what odds would you put at Carol Baskin killing her husband? Minus like five thousand. Yeah. So her husband disappears. Then Joe Exotic, the all-time showman and kind of electric factory that he is, he puts out a song called Hey Kitty Kitty. Um, finds someone to basically <laughs> that looks like Carol Baskin that's feeding what he deems as pieces of her husband to two animals and films a music video on this, basically making fun of the fact that Carol Baskin likely killed her late husband, who was a millionaire and had a bunch of money, and basically gave her the lifestyle she had to have all these wild animals. Um, I like that that that's an all-time villain move by Joe Exotic, and I just I couldn't not respect it more. Yeah, he knew, they just each knew how to play each other's buttons, but that kind of got Joe in trouble. He ended up having to pay her out a lot of money, and I forget exactly why. It, I, feel, I don't know, maybe wasn't paying extreme attention to it, but he lost a lot of money to her. Um, I mean, the whole thing with her killing her second husband, or allegedly, I mean, she changed, like, his will. It was all very shady. Basically, stole all the money from his kids, took it and was able to open up her own zoo or whatever she called it. I mean, the whole thing was so bizarre. And again, it just goes back to my original point. Like, it's insane that these are real people who, like, live in the U.S. and, like, this is an actual thing is is so surreal. And the second episode where it goes into, like, how the workers for these zoos live, like, oh, yes. these people are putting their lives in danger, like, every second of their workday. And they get paid, Joe's people, they said, got paid $100 a week, which is nothing. Carol just didn't pay anybody. And and then the other guy, Doc Antle, that they kind of shadowed throughout the show, mm-hmm. he just brings in these attractive young girls and then just marries them. And he had, like, eight girlfriends or something. It was, it was all surreal. Like, and they showed where Joe Exotic's employees lived and it was in these, like, little shacks that had like no ac no water no like water and they just did it for years and were like had no issue with it it was insane Uh, joe exotic there's there's something there ahead of jeff lowe showing up who we'll get to and him kind of ruining everything joe exotic you have to give him some credit for team building skills because he got these people to buy in um he had the he had the reality TV show guy that was filming his every move. At some point, he got nervous that he was essentially like being listened to, right? And he burned down. It's not confirmed, but it's likely confirmed that he just burned all those tapes um, because he's nervous that I believe the feds were on him, if I'm remembering this correctly. Um, but he had one of his workers who they sh- they sh- literally show this on the documentary because again, Joe Exotic. Is really he's really a showman in the sense that he had, just had cameras rolling at his zoo the whole time. But one of his workers put her arm in the cage and got it mauled off by either tiger or lion. I don't remember which one. Um, they show Joe Exotic running over to treat her as she's lying there, and this is all rolling in in live time. And Joe Exotic calmly kind of walks into the gu- the gift shop and, and lets the guests know that uh, one of the workers has lost her arm. Um, we'll, we'll refund your tickets or rebook you for another time, whatever it is, but you're going to have to leave. And the best part is this woman, uh, what's her name, Saf, she was back working within the week. That's work ethic right there. That's um, like an all-time an all-time glue guy move by by Saf. Like just just in it. She didn't she didn't want the negative press, you know. Uh, attacking yeah, for, her for the for the zoo. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was it was crazy. I mean, he he burned down all that footage. I think because he was paranoid that the executive, the guy Rick, was gonna like. I think show it, people it like as uh, blackmail against him. Yeah, he's that was why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he he killed those gators, and he was so psychotic that he's then putting out videos trying to say either Peta did it or Carol Baskin. What like g- gaining sympathy <laughs> from people because like I think they said 
seven alligators died in the fire, which is pretty sad. Like, he's trying to get sympathy from people. And then they cut to a video of him in his lawyer's office and basically insinuating the fact that he was going to do this. Um, so, yeah, it was insane. And then Jeff Lowe comes into the picture after he kind of needs, I guess, a bailout, right, from being sued by Carol. And Jeff yeah. Lowe just becomes even another villain. And basically the whole reason Joe's in jail is for this, what they call murder for hire plot. He basically wanted to hire an assassin <laughs> to uh, murder Carol Baskin. And the fact that Jeff Lowe is not in, in prison and has kind of like gotten off clean from this is is wild. Yeah, Jeff Lowe comes in is just like the kind of all-time sleazeball, slimy car salesman. Um, basically swindles Joe um, out, of, out of his zoo. They talk about how everything just kind of Everything just kind of went to shit as soon as Jeff Lowe got involved. Jeff Lowe, he's known as like a womanizer and and all this stuff, which it's all just kind of uh, head scratching. Like how how is this guy just like doing what he's doing just as a con man? Um, one of the notable things from the conversation with him, he's later later in the documentary, he's talking to his wife. Um, and they're expecting a kid, and they're talking about getting a nanny, and he's literally on screen, he's like looking at pictures of these different nannies I can hire, he's like, oh, you know, it's got, it's got to be an attractive one, it's got, it's going to be a hot one, and his, and his wife's just like sitting there nodding in agreement. Um, Jeff Lowe's got some kind of weird spell on people, I think. Yeah, the ultimate con man, and he's just talking how he, he helped like formulate the plan for them to kill Carol and he's saying like he he went on Google Earth and like found this like road by her house where she'd go on bike rides and was helping them plan it and it still makes no sense that he he didn't get like arrested for it how wasn't he like a co-conspirator of this and his friend his, his longtime handyman mm-hmm. yeah Alan Glover was <laughs> kind of the guy who was going to do it. He was the hitman. He's not in jail either. So the fact them two got off Scott clean and Joe's doomed time is, it's messed up. Yeah, Jeff, that's the thing. Jeff Lowe's like literally explaining how he had his hand in this. And they have, they have uh, phone calls. And for whatever reason, I mean, Joe Exotic, he probably should be in prison, but the fact that Jeff Lowe and his henchmen didn't get, uh, just didn't get any time for it is definitely head scratching. I do want to go back to Carol Baskin real quick because we like kind of glanced over her early in early in the documentary. They just kind of slide in the fact that she's allergic to cats, which it's like, wait, really? <laughs> yeah, yes, she's allergic to cats. Um, they mentioned how she has to like have specific like types of furniture and things in her apartment because she can't or in her house because she can't have uh, basically the cat fur. So one, I thought that was notable. Two, Harold Baskin or Howard. Howard? Is it Howard or Harold? Do you remember, Tyler? I think it's Howard. Howard. Howard, yeah. So I guess technically her third husband. Um, there are wedding photos. Um, it's it's all-time stuff. I think him – I don't think there's any coming back in life from – the day of your wedding, I believe, uh, having a picture of you with a leash around your neck, uh, with your wife, uh, basically holding you like you are an animal. Um, I, I think, I think the rest of my life when I see that picture, it it will make me laugh. Like I don't, I don't foresee a time when I won't see that picture and not crack up at it. Like Howard Baskin, like, come on, man, have a little bit of a backbone for us here. He can't. She killed her her previous husband. He has to <laughs> abide by anything she says. And I just remembered another thing. Going back to the employees, they would they only got like I said a hundred dollars a week, which is not anything really. You can survive off on your own. And the stale food. They would eat the expired expired Walmart food that they would feed to the animals. They would take some of it off the truck and eat it. <laughs> it's just, like, so disgusting. The, the guy, you know, the my real Wal- hero. The Walmart meats? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the real hero of the show for me was uh, John Renicky. He was one of kind of... The, the producer? No, he was one of the managers at the zoo. He was the guy with the two prosthetic legs. Two fake legs, yeah. Uh, he was the hero for me because he's, he's a real solid guy throughout, just trying to do the right thing. 
Um, and he seemed upset when Joe went to jail, and it seems like it was a set-up job against Joe Exotic to go away. And he said, how could they not talk to me? I worked with him for 14 years. So he seems really heartbroken over it, and he just seemed like he seemed like a good guy, and I, I really liked him. He, de- he did seem like a good guy. How shocked were you when you found out that he didn't lose his legs to some type of animal incident? Because I was shocked. It was a ziplining accident. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was the fact. In fact, only one of their employees, at least, I guess, at least what they said on the documentary, got attacked by an animal. It was crazy. They're literally rolling around with these animals in these massive cages, and there's multiple lions and tigers like around them. It's it's crazy. I do want to also briefly touch on Doc and Teal here. I feel like we're due for a spinoff of some sort, documentary with him. Like, his business seems to be going pretty well. He's made a number of appearances on various late-night shows. He's been in a few different movies. Um, He's really... Him and Jeff Lowe, to me, the more I think about it, are probably the two worst people in this thing. Uh, he really has this very cultish vibe. They talk about one of his female employees who essentially like got out, how she was more or less like forced to get a boob job. It wasn't like much of a discussion. It was just kind of a given, um, which I guess if you think about it, maybe that's uh, a benefit more than just stale meats working for Joe, but it was – it was all very Doc and Teal. I I don't think we've heard the last from him. I'll just say that. No, I mean they're all just bad people and very like scummy with the way they treated their employees, the way they he treated women. It's all very just kind of gross and disgusting to watch. Um, I have one more point, but I'm I'm blanking. Oh, uh, uh, Joe Exotic. One, he had a presidential run, and he's like, okay, that might not work out. In 2016, valiant effort. 2018, he runs for governor, and he he finds his campaign manager, who was, like, psyched uh, to be able to do that, who is his, his right-hand man. Uh, he's in the documentary. He was there when his late husband killed himself. And they, he legitimately ran for governor of Oklahoma in 2018, as a libertarian, and he got 19% of the libertarian vote. I do think that's notable. What what that I had to, <clears throat> what that math comes out to being? It's uh, 664 votes of the about 3,600 that went to libertarians. Honestly, oh, I thought that I thought that was it, the entire election. It's, it's not the entire state. <laughs> um, if he got 19%, the whole state would be incredible. The fact that he got 19% of anything. I think just goes to show the fact that Joe, he weirdly, like, he's in prison right now and he's locked up for a while, but he's definitely loving the fact that he's a superstar now. Mm-hmm. I, I was looking up articles and there was, I didn't read it, but there was something about that, how he's how liking he's, all the attention. Yeah. <laughs> and he he's currently suing Jeff Lowe for $94 million. I don't know Good. if he's going to get any of that, but Jeff Lowe deserves to be locked up with him. He's just such oh, he's just such trash and a bad person it's it, like i said it's it's surreal to think these people like exist and do this for a living it's it's just wild like does this happen at like all zoos it's i don't know i've never been a big zoo guy myself and i, I really am not in a rush to go to one again no and carol baskin her whole thing is that she's uh basically animal rights for for these various <laughs> exotic animals and and big game cats etc but she started herself as a breeder um so she's at the core was no better than Joe Exotic in that sense uh some other random notes i had the guy that scarface was based on he was casually in this documentary um, he was good I, I wish he got more run i wanted more of him cuz he casually like note at the fact that they like threw a guy in a grinder at some point like i don't know <laughs> he he didn't he he knew he, about it he yeah, didn't do it yeah of course he had like a casual drop in um howard baskin as i said there's just no going back for him then the last guy the clip that's kind of going viral on the internet right now is the guy on the jet ski who kind of also parachutes in he's like kind of a former business partner of jeff Lowe. 
kind of hard to figure out exactly what he is, but he's just kind of laughing about being a snitch. Um, and and they get they get that clip of him on the jet ski to eye the tiger. Uh, that's that's very special. That will hold a place in my heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he looked. He he was like in heaven. He's like, this is gonna be the coolest moment of my life. And he's not wrong, um, Tyler. So I have a couple of questions. We went through a bit of a recap here. Um, one of my question is: so you're you're the you're a GM of a zoo team. So you have to pick one of these exotic zoo uh, creatures. I'll say to run <laughs> to, to run to run your zoo. Joe Exotic, Doc Antil, or Carol Baskin. Who are you choosing and why? You know, as much crap as I've talked about her, I think I'm picking Carol just for the standpoint of of all <laughs> three of those people. She's gotten off scot free the most. I'm convinced she killed her second husband. She does the same thing all these other people are doing, but she doesn't – she's never – she's came off as the victim of this because she was – basically a hitman was hired to kill her. So she's came out as, like, the victim of all of this, has gotten in no trouble whatsoever. So I'm looking for her also in a content-driven game that talks about her Facebook and YouTube videos that were doing really well. Um, so I'd pick her. I would stay a far distance away from her. But I would I would choose her just because she's gotten off scot free from all of this. What about you? Yeah, she's she's just a little too she's too conniving. Like she, when Joe Exotic like is kind of getting dragged a little bit by one of the tigers in the cage, she like laughs that she knows what like oil or whatever would work to do that. Like she just she just creeps me out too much. I couldn't I couldn't go into business with her. D- Doc and Teal. Uh, his son's name is Cody. Yeah, that that's not great. Um, Doc Antiel, I I also I don't know. It feels like there's a massive lawsuit coming his way. At this point, Joe Exotic, once he gets out of prison, he's he's kind of put all his cards on the table. We know we know what to expect out of him, and I think there's high upside in in buying buying the dip right now while he's in jail and having a, a massive comeback once he's out um but the one stipulation I'll have I need <clears throat> I need the reality show guy with him um I like the fact that this guy was like I've I've seen a lot of crazy st- shit in my time, but this guy is absolutely <laughs> insane, and and he's gonna make me a millionaire. Uh, so we're just gonna film everything. Well, that guy Rick, yeah, he was he was so demoralized when when those when his original tapes got burned. He moved wow. he moved to Norway. Oh really? Mm-hmm. He, I get, all this he just couldn't take it. He booked it, but I'm giving him a fat offer to come out of retirement to pair up those two. Uh, just like Joe Exotic's walking around his zoo with like a gun, joking about like shoot, shooting people. He's a bit, he's a, he's definitely a bit on edge. But if I could get his core group, um, I have your friend that you love, the guy who lost both his legs. I have Saf, who I know is just gonna be there through it all. Um, can definitely rely on her, and and I know that. There's there's just something there with Joe Exotic and his ability to put on a show. We could create a little bit of organizational kind of uh, structure around him. Maybe not let him have any guns or meth, things like that. I think he would do pretty well. There's, uh, there's yeah, something hot. That, there's just something about that guy that I don't, by the end of the show they're all they're all terrible people. But I'm still kind of rooting for Joe Exotic. It was so funny when they were showing him and Jeff, like, real footage of him and Jeff Lowe, or Jeff Lowe screaming at him yeah. because Joe was, like, signing checks under Jeff's name, <laughs> embezzling money, which is completely illegal. And Joe was just like, what do you want me to do? I'll pay you back. <laughs> <laughs> just, like, not grasping the point of, like, what he was at doing. And you just need guys with irrational confidence like that's, that sometimes. That's... Literally, my next question here: um, What's your sports, your sports comparison? Like, what athlete has as much rational confidence as Joe Exotic? Yeah, I would have to. Um, I would <laughs> love to say Jameis, but uh, um, I would probably say like J.R. Smith. Obviously, nothing like personal about either of these guys is comparable. But the rational confidence of J.R. He could go off for fifty one night and then go like. 
two for 20 from the field, but still think he's probably the best player on the court. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a couple. I had JR in down. I had Swaggy P. Um, I had Ron, Art- Ron Artest just also kind of, I don't know, feels like he's, he's you, you never know what you're getting from him, but I feel like he's rationally confident. And also your boy Lance Stevenson, I feel like he's also a similar kind of showman and just it could go off at any time or could completely flop and maybe get dragged by a tiger across a cage. Yeah, you probably could. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's, I think that's that's my two pages worth of notes. I think I hit on all my talking points. Um uh, the Doc Amtiel is basically his nickname, Bhagavan, basically meaning God. That that was a little weird. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's all I got on this stuff, Tyler. You have anything else? No, I saw they're making like a I guess a, a TV show based off of it, which I don't know how much more I need to see on this. It it's all insane. Like I said, I was so on edge the entire entire time waiting for people to get <laughs> mauled by lions and tigers so i don't know how much more of this tiger king content i could take but it was definitely a good watch during this quarantine yeah and by the same uh the same studio that brought us Firefest. so shout out to them 